0: Welcome to The Appetite, a podcast brought to you by Opal Food and Body Wisdom, an eating disorder treatment program in Seattle, Washington. I'm your host, Carter Umhau, a therapist at Opal and an artist and a writer, and I'm joined by the Opal founders, Dr. Lexi Kiplin, Cara Bazzi, Julie Church. The Appetite is all about asking more of life in the realms of food, body, mental health, and relationship. Today, Julie, Kara, and Lexi, the co-founders of OPAL, are reflecting on this moment in their lives as business owners and looking back at the women that came before them. In this conversation, we're exploring how we became who we are and how the power of understanding the context of our own lineage, familial and otherwise, can actually bring us in closer toward ourselves. So what did you all want to be when you grew up, when you were kids? Did you have an idea about
1: that? Yes. Yes? Yeah, I think I wanted to be an attorney. Oh. And I think I got that idea because I was pretty good at arguing and making my case. And my parents would always say, you're going to make a great attorney. And I was like, okay, I want to be an attorney. <laughs> and then switched to medis- pre-medicine. And then went to my first psychology class and was mm-hmm. sold. And I think the medicine was more of a what I think my family would have wanted me to do more. And then I found myself in psychology and said, nope, I'm doing this. Mm. Yeah.
0: Do you see any connection between the like argumentative
1: attorney and the, the work you wound up actually doing? <laughs> it's funny. I don't...
2: Utilization reviews. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh. <laughs> but I don't Insurance. find myself to be like, very argumentative. So I don't maybe... I don't, I think I have a good, I can make good cases. (laughs) but um, In a calm demeanor that
3: people are like, this seems so reasonable. (laughs) Which is powerful.
2: It is. You would
0: have been a great attorney. You could have, yeah. 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 (laughs) What about either of you, Julia or Cara?
2: Did you have a sense of kind of what you wanted to be as a kid and where that idea came from? My early one was an astronomer. Oh. I was obsessed with actually stargazing <laughs> and the constellation of Cassiopeia. And then I found out that astronomy was not stargazing. And I was very disappointed. Oh. Yeah. I didn't know what a hard science it was, but I just liked I just looking out at it, the stars <laughs> and the universe and I don't know, the vastness. It was that I feel like actually that was part of kind of my more creative, non responsible. Mm-hmm. little girl self of just like mm-hmm. laying out and staring at the stars mm. yeah and then I actually I don't think I knew that you were pre-medicine Lexi because then That's I got path. super urbo- yeah I got very responsible in high school and then was pre-medicine for my first three years at college mm-hmm. so I pretty much made it through all the courses and yeah. then I had my epiphany at the end of my junior year and went into the
1: counseling side. I did all the pre almost all the pre med requirements and then a lot to the...
2: what an well, interesting lot of connection science. to yeah. you too. Um, yeah.
3: I remember that I wanted to be a marine biologist. Mm-hmm. I was very really into orcas and dolphins. dolphins. Yes, I still actually wish I could live in the
0: sea to be honest. Do you see so, any connection to that interest in what you do now?
3: Well, I think that it was science based because then in high school, I loved chemistry mm-hmm. and thought then when I went off to college, I thought I was becoming a chemist. I said this in an earlier podcast. And, you know, have create soaps and shampoos and yummy smelly oh. hygiene products. That's what I thought I'd <laughs> do. Um, so fun, but then so it was a science thing, I guess. But huh. then nutrition obviously stays in the sciences. It just was a little bit more. Helper, mm-hmm. But I actually look back sometimes and now I'm in the Northwest and there's all these places that people do pursue education in marine biology. And I thought, oh, I just don't think it was didn't seem realistic. I don't yeah, think not a
0: real like mm-hmm. well-worn path yet.
3: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I always wanted to
0: work in a mental institution. Really? <laughs> yeah. Harder. <laughs>
1: I got a lot. Like,
0: yeah, I know it's a little ironic, but um, I also wanted to be like an undercover reporter, so Ooh. I'd sort of like blend in and oh, like write about that. it. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally or could a singer. Singer. see that. Yeah, or wow. a singer, <laughs> or a singer, like yeah. a t- you know, country <laughs> singer or something. <laughs> I know what a bow, I can see country
1: bow. I don't see country but maybe My mom was from the south so okay. that's, you know okay. what we what we
0: listened to yeah yeah <laughs> Were there particular people that you all recognize as as being kind of influencers either in what you wanted to do or just how you wanted to be in the world
1: Well certainly I mean my parents um and di- and very in different ways mm-hmm. I mean all three of us have dads who were um also business owners mm-hmm. so we grew up watching that and I think that that has had an impact on I don't know us opening opal to some degree that was with us probably we felt some confidence because we saw it happening growing up mm-hmm. but the person I I think about outside of my family is mrs. Yvette Gardner mm-hmm. from my fifth she was my fifth grade teacher and she's still in my life now and is you know friends with my my family and my dad and my dad just saw her a few weeks ago and She really believed in me in a way that had me believing in myself. She just had just saw this, all this potential for me that I don't, I just, and I could just see it in her eyes and I Mm. just rose to the occasion and she did, she just followed me through all of my years and has been a family friend since then, but she is, she's dear to me and had quite an impact on me. Um, in terms of my academics but even beyond that she just thought she always said you can just do whatever you want you get to just Mm -hmm. do whatever you want because you have all these things you could do you know that you could just step in and do and yeah she just makes me emotional talking about yvette Mm -hmm. mrs gardner Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. she's awesome what a special
0: thing to have someone just kind of open up the possibilities Mm -hmm. rather than being i mean it's so special to have someone where you look at like oh i want to do that i want to be just like her but it sounds like mrs Gardner was someone that really reflected you back to
1: yourself Mm. yeah maybe so and she was she's a she is a really strong woman too i mean she had her own she had a presence and a strength about her Mm -hmm. um and she was playful but then i think she had some vulnerability in there i can remember her being really real and authentic she's just a really cool woman and someone i continue to look up to in my life
2: what about either of you <clears throat> well, my heart is beating mm-hmm. out of my. chest. <laughs> I, my heart's racing a little bit. Um, yeah, it's a funny time to be having this conversation about lineage because I think I've mentioned before in a podcast that we just got done remodeling our house, mm-hmm. and so we've been having we've been unpacking boxes, and I've been finding boxes um, of memories that I haven't seen since high school. Wow! Um, and have been going through going through them, um, kind of in detail and in intrigue about. Um, just stuff from childhood all the way through college, and I—I wouldn't say my memory is amazing when I think of specifics and details. And so, going through these memory box, boxes is bringing up a ton um, and a lot of emotion. And it, so, it feels like like a deeper topic for me in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and <laughs> but what I what was pretty um, obvious is. I mean, I had a scrap, I had all these scrapbooks and photo albums, and I just saw card after card after card after card from my mom. And as I've said before, here is I, you know, I was a big achiever. And I think a lot of, a lot of history of um, just people acknowledging admiration of things I've achieved. Mm. And my mom... I think one of the things I paid attention to and noticed about her was her focus on relationships and her tending to relationships and the depth of her friendships. And she would write notes to her friends and me regularly. And they were encouraging notes. They were. She's a woman of deep faith, so she wrote prayers to her friends, scripture to her friends, encouragement to her friends, and same with me. And I just remember thinking, Man, if I'm only so lucky to be a friend like that. And I think it really influenced then in high school a quality of friendship that I brought to my own friends in response to watching how she loved other people. Mm-hmm. And so I started developing that just, or just really developing my way of loving and um, expressing that love to people. And so then I could see in my scrapbooks just, you know, those types of letters coming to my friends, back from my friends. And in the midst of being such an achiever, I think that was, I knew deep down that that's really what mattered was the relationships and the connection and loving people in that way. And so, I mean, I think looking through all that, through through all the other stuff, cutting through all that, like kind of the depth of just um, what it means to tend to people. And I really admired that in my mom and I think that's really led, it ended up leading me to eventually choosing psychology and choosing to become a therapist. That's such a
0: beautiful way to to understand you. I think as someone that so clearly is pursuing like risk and, and vulnerability in relationship, it's really cool to think about all those letters being there in a box somewhere as part of your your story. Yeah. I can hear a lot of Kind of a particular way of being in the world and how to relate, and I'm curious about just how you understood how to be a woman or understood yourself as a woman, both professionally or relationally, or kind of yourself in a family and what that felt like.
1: Well, I'm looking at a picture of my my grandma Ivanelle, who is is the embodiment of love. I mean, she was just like truly love all the time and just hugs and somebody who, um, in maybe a similar way was very like relationally concerned and, but always put her needs, her needs were not even in the picture. Mm-hmm. And so she was, she was very much at the service of the, her loved ones. And, um, but she really showed us all a really pure form of love. She was just the sweetest little thing, mm-hmm. four foot 11, cruising around, hugging people. Mm-hmm. So I think about her, but I also, um, that's on my on my dad's side, my grandma on my dad's side. But I've been doing a lot of thinking about what of my family history is with me today, and what what of my past is part of my current story. And the, recently, we had a, a flu epidemic in the United States, and it made me think of what happened hundred years ago with the um, flu epidemic of 1918, which the outbreak of the flu epidemic was. In Kansas, the initial outbreak was in Kansas, and it was happened to be you know a few miles from where my um, great-grandmother was living. Lida was living in uh, Kansas, Clay County, Kansas. And she was twenty one years old, and she had just had my grandmother, Irene six months prior. and she died as a result of the flu epidemic of nineteen eighteen wow. and she left. My grandmother, a six-month-old baby, and the story of the loss of Lida in my family lives on in me, I think. As, I, as I've been going through my own grief and loss experiences, I can, I've been connecting with what of this is actually my, my part of my family's story that mm. I'm carrying with me. What's, and I've been thinking a lot about what's my relationship to grief and connecting it to what happened to Lida and and my my dear grandmother Irene who lost her mom at, at six months old and then as a result of that my grandmother Irene didn't she didn't have a mom mm-hmm. and her her dad was a farmer and was out on the farm so she she didn't have a strong maternal figure, figure in her life as she as she grew up. So she was never mothered herself. and Then she married my my grandpa, and Grandma Tilly came into the scene, and was really a powerful force um, in my family. It was just a very um, everyone just adored her, Who and she was very loving. So that was my dad, my grandpa's Your, mom. Okay. So when they got oh, married, my mom, mom got a mom. Cool. And then because I think my grandmother wasn't mother, didn't have a mother, she didn't know how to mother her three sons in the same way you do when you live and breathe the experience of being mothered. Right. Right. So then the impact of her lack of mothering impacted my, my mom and her brothers, I think. Mm. I think my mom would speak to that. And then the impact of um, my grandmother having the loss of her grandmother on my mom um, was felt by me, what Mm. affected my mother and and affected probably her parenting of me and i carry that with me today i can feel i can feel the loss of lida mm-hmm. you know a 100 years ago in my life in my life now and i can see the story arc of the loss and how it, how it's moved through the generations mm-hmm. and how i think about what that will mean for uh, my daughter you know who i hope we're moving out of that story arc of of yeah. loss mm-hmm. and into a different way of being as a mother-daughter. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred years ago, mm-hmm. um, my family was impacted. And I just feel, you know, I could feel connected to my grandmother being six months old and losing her mom and mm. trying to manage her life from there. So.
0: It's such an interesting and important thing to think about kind of the generations before us. And I think that, When, as a therapist, I imagine talking to people about kind of understanding their lineage, normally it feels like people typically talk about kind of the generation just before them. And it's sometimes pretty hard to understand the emotional experience of that generation and then the generation before, but this feels like such a beautiful example of something big, some huge event happening in Mm -hmm. a distant relative's experience Mm -hmm. and... And that just so obviously trickling down in these ways that Mm -hmm. that it sounds like you've explored and sought out and yet also maybe seem somewhat apparent
1: Mm -hmm. at the same time. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a big part of my growing up because Mm -hmm. when Tilly when Tilly came onto the scene and was a mother to my mom and grandma, you know, the whole family just seemed to be soaking her up. And then she died in, in 1958. And I think my mom was nine and so the loss of Grandma Tilly, so there was, you know, the loss of this mother figure who swooped in. So Grandma Tilly, I've heard about, you know, all through my life about how dear Grandma Tilly was and how, you know, there was life before Grandma Tilly and then there was life after Grandma wow. Tilly and two very different experiences for, um, from, for my family, for my, my mom. will talk about it. It's just a profound loss for the family. And she died at more natural age. Yeah, right? she she memory. died. She was born in 1883 and died in 1958 of I think she died of ovarian cancer in Broughton, Kansas.
0: You spoke mm-hmm. a little bit to um to how you imagine yourself as a mother at this point, but are there any specifics around kind of how you how you have heard about Tilly, for instance, and mm-hmm. how you take on kind of that
1: role as mother based mm-hmm. off of what you've heard? Yeah. It's funny as, as you asked that question, I could feel the tears welling in my eyes Mm. because I do think of, I've heard so much about Tilly. I've, I've heard about Tilly, you know, as in I've really understood that her impact was profound on many lives. And she was apparently very, you know, generous and kind. And, you know, she's just all the things you would want a mother to be kind of person, very much idealized, Mm -hmm. um, so, I always wonder what's a real Tilly. <laughs> but um, the idolization of her is incredible. Um, just this embodied love, you know. So, I have a lot of people I look to in my life for guidance about how to be a mom, including my own mom, Grandma Tilly, and um, my Grandma Irene, my Grandma Irene, uh, even Ellen Irene, both of them. I have a lot of folks I look to. And I have a bonus mom. A bonus one, yeah, Joey, mm-hmm. who's also just a wonderful um, mother figure for me too. Mm-hmm. Don't know where I'd be without all of those women. I certainly wouldn't be here. Wow. And I think of also, I'm. I know I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> Keep going, no going back. <laughs> so now I think of. So I, I told you about um Yvette Gardner, right? My fifth grade teacher, and then I also think about. Dr. Mary Lee Nelson, who was um, one of my, was on my chair, was my chair of my graduate committee, and she was incredible to me. Mm. I mean, just opened doors, kind, just was believed in me. And then after graduate school, I had Dr. Beth Kerr and Dr. Laura Little, who opened, who said, We believe you should be a lecturer at the university. And I was like, What? (laughs) And then I did it. And, you know, I think, I can think of all these women that without them, I just truly, I don't know where I would be, you know, in terms of guides and people believing in me when I wasn't believing in myself. I hope to pass that on in my life to others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Julie,
0: is there anyone in particular for you kind of within your lineage or maybe the story of, of some of your family that, that feels like it's deeply
3: influenced you?
2: Mm.
3: Yeah, I I do especially connect with thinking about some images and stories related to my granny. So this is my mm-hmm. maternal grandmother, mm-hmm. I call her Granny. And as I have kind of think about these little images or these little stories, it, it definitely pulls in things related to my mom, too, of like, oh, yeah, that came from, you know, both and. But I think it starts from hearing about stories of grandmother, who was Granny's mother, who lived in Ohio, and that's where my granny was raised. And when my mom and her siblings would go down to Ohio to, to be with grandmother, it was like one week every summer, it sounded like. And the stories that come out of that time were just always sounds like it was a great tradition and wonderful time together there, but grandmother had a very um, strict household, is Ooh. what I also <laughs> hear, is like you do things at grandmother's house a certain way. <laughs> yeah, but it's also kind of funny to hear about teenage years they got around that (laughs) but anyways then I my granny though um, was in her adult life in Wisconsin and that's where she raised my my mother um, with my gramps and her name is Pauline Petty and some of the images first image that I always thought of was getting to go to the office where she worked with this typewriter so old classic typewriter on this desk and it felt like this really bare office space. And this is my memory, right? So definitely like black and white in my mind, right? Mm-hmm. But like grayish, lots of metal. <laughs> um, but I remember getting to see that and kind of, I think there's something in that of recognizing, oh, okay, my my granny, she works. Like she has a place that she goes and she has people lean into her and like need her in, in what they're doing. And that was, um, she was secretary and receptionist at a, Economy Forum was placed. They did cement production of some cement things used in construction. Hmm. So she was supporting the salesperson of that. Right. So she had a secretarial supportive role. I I remember thinking she she got she got some stuff done when she was there in the (laughs) office. And it always felt the same way when I was with her at her home as well. And uh, especially, there was one week every year that we would always spend there while my parents got their time away from the kids,
1: mm-hmm. and
3: especially that time. But otherwise as well, because I did live in the same city, so we would see them for you know regular times. But the things that I would say is that she was uh, she was always getting things done <laughs> <laughs> and keeping busy. And I I remember for a for a good cause that that also like she she always was volunteering at a place that kind of like a goodwill a, a place where that gathered. You know, had, took donations and then made money for a good cause. And then she was—one of the things when we would sit and watch TV, we would take—there was this little bucket of stamps that were cut out of envelopes. And we would then soak them Aww. and then take the stamps off gently because you could get something back for the stamp. Again, it's like very, very minimal amount of money per stamp. But all of that then to go to a good cause— and then I think of all of her volunteer efforts. At, when I was in high school, she got the award as, like, the volunteer of the year at my high school. I, was, I had pride. It actually feels like the studio in here. There was this one place where the volunteers would come, and there was a glass window f- that went into the cafeteria in high school, and there was a blind. So kind of like we're seeing Daniel in the production room here at the studio, <laughs> but there was a blind, so we couldn't see that. But I remember in the senior cafeteria lounge, you could, like, knock on the glass window when I would know granny was there oh. <laughs> volunteering and doing whatever I think a lot of the stuff she did on was related to well she was yeah she was the president of the guild the ladies guild with for the high school and but she was stuffing things and organizing pamphlets and papers and things in there I, I don't know what she was doing but <laughs> she was just always volunteering so I think that I um and she was a knitter or a crocheter <laughs> I don't actually cool. know but I do have her instruments, <laughs> ne- needles, because <Needles? laughs> I was like, oh, I want those, like when I when we were going through her things after she passed. So I yeah, I think of qualities around her and how that trickled down to my own mother and and to me, just this yeah, kind of doer, go getter and really networked and connected. I can see that in my mom also how that trickled down, just really social and and good relationships and how that then led to yeah purpose and making meaningful impact Mm -hmm. Uh, and again I have more of a retroactive thought around that like I wasn't necessarily watching her thinking yeah Mm -hmm. I want to be like her but now I I I find pride Mm -hmm. like I feel I find deep pride in finding the ways right that I am her like that those those qualities um and feeling yeah grateful I guess that I come from Strong women that—I um, don't know if my household is like grandmothers, but <laughs> uh, maybe. I mean, I think my kids know that things that, that I like and I don't like, but <laughs> what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. I just don't think they actually obey me and, like, do the right things, but might, I think they know. Yeah, they'll probably remember later. Yeah, I think they know. Um, anyways, so I do—yeah, I, do, I, yeah, I think—I have a couple other images, but yeah. those— yeah, that industrious kind of doer mm-hmm. um, for good purpose feels like mm, I didn't come out of nowhere.
2: <laughs> 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 I came from these women, you know. Mm. Yeah. You know. Kara, what about you? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm laughing hearing about Julie talk about Granny because um, I relate a lot with my own grandmother, Ruth, who's my mom's mom. And she is Norwegian, very proud Norwegian, comes from Minnesota. Uh, very industrious and really strong in her 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 Lutheran community, and she was also a trailblazer because she um, I just remember her always kind of bragging about <laughs> how she was. She was a nurse. She worked full time and she was a nurse and she basically always would tell us that she was doing what the doctors were doing without the doctor title. <laughs> and, and with, I mean, a lot of bragging about it um, and just proud of herself because she was really confident and self-assured. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes me think of lineage in terms of like kind of more gender, um, kind of the uh, gender traits. And she had, I think, more of some of the masculine traits. She was really assertive highly driven. And I think, you know, it's interesting because my grandpa Emerald was kind of more of the soft, more soft and and expressed maybe more of the softer emotions. And I think my mom, you know, had feelings kind of as the child of those two parents, but I think she really admired her mom. And then I think she, my mom could see those traits in me of having some of both the masculine and feminine traits. And, you know, I I think, um, and that's where I kind of see sort of the lineage of, of, of ways that I, am, I embrace some of my mom's um, characteristics, but also really taking some of that drive and I can do whatever I want mentality that my grandma definitely held. I don't know mm. if I'm as industrious <laughs> as my grandma she was. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, or doing as much. Actually, I think of like the hospitality of my grandma. And mm. that's, I mean, I don't, I don't share the same hospitality, <laughs> trait, but she would, you know, she would like bake a ton for her, you know, for every like, you make a good cookie. I do make a good cookie. <laughs> that is true. But she would make like five hundred, right, yeah. for her church, <laughs> right,
3: and make money off of them. Well, yeah, or, or the not, yeah. She or...
2: just would give. I mean, she yeah. was very generous. It was very yeah. shown in acts of service, mm. is what I would say, right? Like whereas I'm, I'm gonna give more emotionally, probably to people. And her, she just made a tons of crumb caca left. She was also a crocheter. She played all her games with people and Mm. um, very, very, very social, totally extroverted. So I did not take the extroverted gene. And then my dad's mom died before I was born. So I never got to meet her. I never had the privilege of meeting her. Um, Apparently that's where I get my, um, they always told me that that's where I get my 5'10", you know, my frame, my height from my grandma, Hilda May. And that's my (laughs) middle name is after her. But then my grandpa married someone uh, before I was born, and so she was. She's been my step grandma, and she's she's such a neat lady. She's still alive, Dora, <laughs> grandy Dora, and she. I would say she has a more of an like more of an impact on me now. She's um, just the vitality she holds. She still plays pool like three days a week, and that's her wow. her movement and sport. And she's got some nice sass and attitude about what she can do on the pool table. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's awesome. I brought her into just conversations in our rethinking sport group of like what a neat example of somebody who's still living life to the fullest and finding ways to yeah, find sport and movement at um, you know, at It'll an older her body age. In that way. Yeah. Does she go to the
1: bars? <laughs> I don't mean, you know. I, wondering she, I think this. I don't think so, it's actually
2: in bars. I mean community, community they do it oh, in community wow. centers. Yeah. Um, I was imagining like she's in tournaments for pool it's pretty awesome that's very amazing and she she had an rv that I, until recently and was going around the country she just has a really big sense of adventure and so she's inspired me in that way mm. even though she's not my blood relative but mm. i love her a lot
0: it's really cool to hear all these different stories mm. and knowing each of you i can infer a lot mm. of like meaning out of the details i think more than maybe even a listener would but mm-hmm. I'm I'm aware, too, of, of this conversation, of course, like bringing up so much loss and so much pain. I feel like there's been like little kind of a bit of a step into that area when each of you have spoken. But I'm aware that like when we were talking about all of this, I was thinking of the genogram. Mm-hmm. And I think, Kara, you'll probably do a better job at articulating this as a marriage and family therapist. Um, but it is kind of more of a mapping out of a family tree as a therapeutic tool
2: mm-hmm. that kind of the way to put yeah, it. Yeah, it comes from yeah, Bowen family okay. systems. But yeah, it's it's where you're 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 tracking. I mean, yeah, I I've, I've been thinking of it too. Yeah. It's it's different than a family tree in the sense of all the things that you're kind of tracking with a genogram to look for patterns as it relates to you know, just different things that right. you, that you can you can go with it. But yeah. I was yeah. thinking
0: of it because, you know, I, I am familiar with it as a tracker of maybe like different patterns of divorce mm-hmm. or, or patterns of estrangement or patterns of chemical dependency and exactly. all these things that sound actually kind of more on the negative side than the, oh my God, <laughs> I was so influenced by my grandmother kind of side of things. Mm-hmm. But the unawareness and a build and actively building an awareness of kind of both the light and the dark of that That kind of family history for each person, I think, is really significant, both to understand like, oh, I think I just naturally inherited some of these qualities because I was witnessing them or because they're in my DNA or something like that, but also to be able to really understand both how to embrace ourselves more and also how to forgive ourselves, I think, a little bit more, too, that you can really give yourself a lot more grace when you understand, oh, every single person... In my position, for the three generations before me, I had a difficult time with this problem, right. <laughs> and here I am again, right. holding the weight of that problem as well. And I have a new opportunity to kind of write the write the story or rewrite the story, kind of as you were talking about, Lexi, with mm-hmm. motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a beautiful thing, and I think that I wanted to highlight that for for people that might be listening and feeling a lot of pain around. I don't have a very positive association with thinking about my my lineage or the lack of different relationships in my life is painful. Mm-hmm. But, but holding some sort of awareness of, okay, this is what it's been. This is why it matters to look at it, I think, is to really both be able to appreciate some of our own qualities and say, oh, yeah, this is me. That's me. Um, and also kind of both
2: embrace that and let ourselves off the hook a little bit too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, the genogram can be such a powerful tool in terms of even kind of the visual of seeing patterns over generations. And because a lot of times when people do that genogram work, they went they they aren't aware right. of that. And right. so it does kind of bring that into the conscious. And then there's the opportunity to try to break some intergenerational patterns. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. We actually have a client doing it right now at Opal. And it's the family therapist has been talking about what an impact it's made of things that this client is, is understanding. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's shifting a little bit away from that, even though I'm really very much want to plug the Junogram for people. Um, but I'm curious, just sort of as sort of a final topic in question, how you all each see your lineage or these stories as relating to your creation of Opal mm-hmm. and your career paths in particular.
3: One of the things I want to say before yeah, answering please. that question is that in front of us, uh, on the tables yeah. in front of us, are some of the photos of some of the people we've been talking about. Um, and I just would say that one of the reasons we even thought about doing this was because I, I thought it would be a beautiful display um, at Opal on the walls to have mm-hmm. one place that we had pictures of the people that have gone before us and have and uh, kind of brought us to this place. So. I've been working on this little project on the side of like getting them to have them their family members send me, th- you know, get these yeah. um, photos and hopefully there'll be a, a fun display of some of these photos of the people that have brought us here in the walls at Opal. I just would think about, yes, it does for us feel like it connects to where we've come and mm-hmm. what we have created in Opal and want to have a way that we can show people that walk through there that they don't They've they've come from somewhere too, and like a reminder mm-hmm. to respect their elders and to pause perhaps and and give honor to them. So, but that didn't answer your question.
0: Well, it sort of does in a way. I mean, it doesn't. You're right, but it, <laughs> it kind of does this in the sense of of thinking about like yeah. uh, just carrying these people with you still yeah. and mm-hmm. how they do feel. So obviously, a part of the space for you, yeah. part of that building and Mm -hmm. yeah
3: yeah and I the only other thing I would say is I think all the character traits that I mentioned about my mom and my granny those things are things I do believe that I I have put into play to make opal happen and do every day and even in the ways that sometimes have kind of come to realize oh wow that is it's a strong personality trait in me and it gets stuff done but it also can interfere with this Mm -hmm. and this you know I can recognize that in that path of going, hmm, I wonder, like, I Mm -hmm. wonder what that meant generations before me and all of that, but also having some of that, yeah, grace and pride, right? Yeah. Like, ooh, yeah, there I am again. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I see that showing
1: up for sure.
0: I like that. What about for either of you?
1: Well, I, um, I just, this feels, um, it just connects me with my gratitude for my ancestors and the women in my life that have um, influenced me. And I think about, the story of my grandmother's death, my great grandmother's death in 1918 and the impact that had on my likely particular interest in human suffering hmm. um, and how that probably guided me to psychology. Absolutely. And, and trying to make sense of human suffering and loss. As, and then therefore, you know, if you keep going with that, of course, you land with psychology in an opal. Mm -hmm. So I think when I think about it's, you know, obviously a really sad experience in my family. But if I uh, and I and I do feel the sadness of it and I feel the gratitude of it, too, because I I guess I can see how it's it is part of who I am Mm -hmm. and part of my story and have respect for it in that way and how it's impacted my decisions um, with Opal and, and beyond. And it may be, you know, maybe hopefully it's helping because of that of what happened in my family, I'm more, um, I'm interested in helping others because of the loss that my family, that I carry, the loss that I carry, my family's loss that I carry.
0: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: Kara, how do you see yourself in this? I think what comes to mind for me is, you know, the kind of the double-edged sword of these traits. So the, the drive and the achievement and the productivity and the kind of those qualities that I would say were exhibited in my grandma, my dad. Um, I mean, I do think I got to a place of too much of a good thing and developed an eating disorder. <laughs> I mean, not that that was the only piece of it, but mm-hmm. I think that part of my kind of wiring and what also was praised by a lot of people took me down that path. Mm-hmm. And then I think why, I mean, part of the reason I feel so emotional thinking about all these letters from my mom is that I could see through, through all that, I saw something beautiful in yeah. what she was doing and which is what was, what happened where I had my epiphany and um, I was planning to be a doctor cause that would have followed all the achieving thing. Right. It was what my dad was hoping for me. And, and then that was when I took that trip to Israel. And when I was in Israel is, is where I was connecting more to the qualities that, um, felt more coming from my soul um, and from my mom, and she was a therapist. She's a therapist, um, retired now at this point, but I had never considered becoming a therapist, which is odd, but I think it was, it was so, my, I think there was such a drive to kind of be the most prestigious career. So anyways, I, I think that experience, kind of the combination of of going into psych- psychology and then developing my eating disorder were two little prongs that led me into mm. Eating disorder sort of work in psychology, right. and <laughs> right, then eventually, you know, getting to meet these wonderful women that led to <laughs> Alexi and Julie. That led to doing something bigger, and then and then my drive and achievement was beneficial mm-hmm. to opening Opal. Then I could then I could mediate and I could make some more sense out of those the feminine and masculine qualities that that didn't kind of disavow the other.
1: Your, the influence of your mom and your relationships is so obvious and mm-hmm. clear to me you know mm-hmm. I mean, she yeah. really taught you she did how to how to be in relationship beautifully Cara you're so you are just uh, yes I can imagine you writing before the before <laughs> the days of texts, <laughs> yeah, emails you would be writing little notes to us yeah. <laughs> just uh, like yeah. your mom did yeah
2: I don't know if anyone has memory boxes or things that they've saved but what a gift to pause to look through some of that stuff because yeah. it's when our, in our day to days that are so busy it's hard to Create space to even reflect on history and reflect on where we've come from. And anyways, it was it's been t- it's been intense to look through all this stuff and painful and wonderful. So I, if there's space in your life to, to do some of that mm-hmm. contemplation, I would encourage it.
3: Mm-hmm. There's something to me too. It feels like you're not alone. Like mm-hmm. when we when we get to do this, and I think there's something I want for people to feel that and. Um, even for clients that come into Opal to be able to look and see, like, oh, I could be a part of this, like, because I do feel like when clients come to Opal, being able to be impacted by the treatment there, I I see that as a part of my lineage. Like, I see that as a part of who we are. Then impacting and who I can look back and think have impacted me, and so I yeah, I think there's a deep. I think it can address that loneliness piece of oh. What am Mm -hmm. I a part of that so many people want?
1: Yeah, and I'm, you know, I've been in this search for meaning place in my life, or kind of revisiting meaning in my life, and it's, it's powerful to take a look at, you have this conversation Mm -hmm. and think about what of what mattered to me about these women, Mm -hmm. and does that can how can that inform what matters to me as a person? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, it's instructive to because what I value likely is highlighted in their values and their meaning. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I was thinking about that particularly with that question I started with too, just even around like, what were you drawn to as a kid? Mm-hmm. Not just who, but both. I mean, for people that, that might easily be able to think about family members that were so significant, but also just what are the little memories or the little, mm-hmm. what's your own trail? whether that be generations back or just in your own your, life your own diary from third grade is there information there about about how you saw the world and and what you were drawn to and who you wanted to be that is maybe really informative of of where you could be headed in your life or who you already are at this point too it's a really beautiful thing to be able to kind of look back if you can i
3: always i also think of the the little ways that we can remember Uh, too. So I think of pussy willows as a plant that was growing in the back of my granny's house. And so each year we would get to cut some and then save them. And that's something that I love having around because it does remind Mm -hmm. me of her. And I remember even as we were Forming and creating Opal's space, that one of the first things I did was mm. got got pussy willows oh. from the local farmers market, and they were in mm. my office for the first number of years. They're at my house now, that same bunch. But that is, I I didn't th- honestly, I'm not sure. I thought like I'm going to get these and put these in here mm. so that Granny's with me. No, I didn't do that. Like <laughs> it just happened, and I can look back now and go, that's that. They mean something to me mm. because
1: of that. And the yes, the bell amazing. that we have at the front yes. desk at Opal is my um, great grandfather edwards bell that he had when he was the administrator at a school district so i remember bringing taking that from my house and going this is a part Mm -hmm. of my family and wanting that to connect up with opal
0: thank you so much to jack straw cultural center for sound engineering to Erin Davidson for The Appetite's music, and to Sarah Taylor for production assistance and editing. You can subscribe to The Appetite on your favorite podcast app to automatically download our next episodes and to stay in touch. If you want to learn more about Opal, you can check us out at opalfoodandbody.com or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon.